Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm L.A. Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and parents around the world. Hi, everyone. I think this is my first interview with a visual artist. I mean, I'm not surprised. It's a little difficult to talk about visual art on a podcast, but you can go to atomicmoms.com or you can go to our Instagram account at Atomic Moms uh, and you can check out our guest's website, madelinedonahue.com or her Instagram at madelinedonahue. Um, so you know what we're talking about. <laughs> I am really, I, I, it's so fun to get to share this conversation with you all with a very dear old girlfriend of mine. We became buddies our first year of high school, I think the first day at the high school for performing in visual arts. And it's been so fun to track her career. Brooklyn-based painter and sculptor Madeline Donahue explores the overwhelming physical intimacy of early motherhood with humor and warmth. She playfully examines and celebrates the postpartum body and the blurred lines between ourselves and our babes. In this frank conversation, because, you know, we're old pals, this artist and dear friend shares how she carves out time and space to create, how she juggles her responsibilities as an artist and mother, what motherhood taught her about her own body, and what it's like to raise a kid with the guy she met at her 12th birthday party. That sounds creepy. They were peers. <laughs> so sign up for our newsletter at atomicmoms.com so you can be the first to know about our Atomic Moms and Madeline Donahue collaboration. We are doing a limited edition t-shirt based on her motherhood drawings. I can't wait to share them with you all. And before I share this conversation and we learn about what I used to do on Friday nights in high school, you probably won't be surprised and actually, it feels really good to hear it because it's like, oh, yeah, it led to the podcast. That's just a clue. I'd like to share our guest bio with you all. Madeline Donahue is a painter and sculptor working in Brooklyn. She has exhibited with a variety of galleries, including the whole 601 Art Space and Field Projects in Manhattan, Underdunk, Greenpoint Terminal Gallery, and Spaceworks in Brooklyn. She exhibited paintings in the recent show Making It Work at Oliver Art Center at California College of the Arts in Oakland, California. She'll be included in an upcoming exhibition at Stephen Harvey Fine Art Projects and at the Every Woman Biennial, both in Manhattan. Madeline was an artist-in-residence at Birdcliff Artist Colony in Woodstock, New York. We're going to hear all about that, by the way, and her weaning experience with her little girl, Twyla, while she did this month-long artist retreat. And she will be a May resident at the Wasaic Project in Wasaic, New York. Can you tell that I'm a Texas girl living in California? I'm like, I think it's Wasaic. You can read about Madeline's work at Elephant Magazine online and see her work in print in the current issue number 15 of Ginger Zine. Welcome to the podcast, Madeline. Hi, Ellie. Hi. Okay, so let's, it's interesting that you do not mention your daughter in your bio. What's, what's that about? So Twyla is how old? And why is she not included? <laughs> she will be three in July, July 8th. Um, yeah, I mean, I think 
That's an interesting question. I, I almost included her at the end there because I'll be taking her to Wasaic with me. She'll be doing her first residency as a, an almost three-year-old, um, whereas it took me 35 years to do a residency. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm not jealous. Uh, you know, I, I think it's just, I, I think of my art career as a job and I don't think it's common for people to put their children in, like include them in their work resume. So I just don't think to do it. And also most of the time when you submit a resume, um, you include an artist statement. And because my work is about my experiences with parenting and motherhood, I end up talking about it there. So I think maybe I just don't, I like to have some autonomy. <laughs> yes. Well, that's why I was asking. Cause obviously for your professional bio, no one expects you to write that you have a child. I just thought it was interesting that since it's for the podcast that she wasn't included there. And I was, I think I was really fishing to hear a little bit more about the autonomy side of it. And how do you, yeah. do, especially because motherhood so clearly influences your art, I'd like to take a moment to talk a little bit more about how you find your autonomy as an artist. Yeah. Um, you know, that's actually something I think about a lot because I've always kind of made work, or I used to make work, um, I think more about other people. And I was always kind of haunted by that. Like, am I really... Like, what's going on here? Um, and I think that all work, no matter what it is, is, is a self-portrait of some kind. So I think my work is, the thing that's autonomous about it is that it's my perspective. I try not to tell anybody else's story. Um, and um, it's been interesting the older Twyla's getting because she sees that I haven't talked to her about the content of my work, but she comes in the studio and sees herself in it, which maybe is just a really great studio visit. <laughs> but also, um, I think uh, it, it'll be interesting the older she gets. I, I don't want to, I don't want to take her story. So I, I, I really, my process when I get in the studio, I don't think about anything. I just get to work. Mm -hmm. So I try not to think too much about like what I should be doing or what is better or worse for me or for, anything other than my practice and like making work because that can be so hard with a child, um, you know, to get anything done. So um, really like the work is so kind of raw and honest in a way. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's all interesting stuff. I'm going to bring it back to like a real <laughs> basic point of view, but mm -hmm. As someone with this podcast, like when I do social media, there I feel like at the earliest stage of a baby, that feels so intimate, right? Like the first photos mm -hmm. you're willing to share out in the world. And then it gets more comfortable. But now I'm realizing with my five-year-old that, again, it's becoming like, well, what do I want to show? And, you know, like it, she's her own person and I don't want to steal her story in that way. At what age did you find that the work you were making that was inspired by Twyla, that you started to have that tug of war within yourself about sharing so much of your experience of her? Yeah. So I think it's really just been in the past month. Whoa. Um, this work is, yeah. Yeah. Because she's, she's just a completely different person in the past couple of months. Um, 
she's, I mean, she, so she talks, she calls her playroom, her studio. And she (laughs) says she practices, she kind of like practices going to work because I, I leave to go to the studio and I call it work. And so she, when we play together, she leaves me to go to her studio and to go to work. Um, I, I don't really, it's like, I don't, I don't force art on her because I want her to, you know, be who she wants to be. Um, but I do think it's kind of funny that she is like playing out our relationship with, you know, like she wants to see what it's like to leave me the the way that I leave her to go to work. Yes. And model your behavior. Like Sabrina was always writing screenplays. Like (laughs) she would, you know, she was pretending to write screenplays. She had a little chalkboard that looked like a laptop and she was always like drawing on it. She'd be like, this is my movie. We're like, okay, cool. That's so cool. Yeah. But in the, I feel like in the past month, she'll come into my studio and say, oh, there's Mm. mommy and me. And she kind of, she understands. And I think the work, like the, my paintings are pretty simple in composition. Like it's just actions between a mother and a child. And I think she understands that and then assumes that it's her because who else could it be? But I'm like the first time she's kind of had conversations with me about it has been in the past month. I think just because she's changing, you know, developmentally, she's just becoming a different person. Um, like after two and a half, it's just such a different, it's really amazing. Like all the changes that happen around two and a half with like consciousness, like consciousness really seems to kind of kick in. But yeah. And so I don't think of the work as being about her per se. I think of it as being about my experiences um, as a new mother. And I think in that way, and I don't think like the intention of the work, the work is really, it has a level of seriousness, I guess, but, but the colors that I'm using set my intention, the style in which I'm using to paint mm-hmm. figures, it's all kind of comical. And I don't think that there's anything negative about what I'm portraying, even though it might be, you know, I might be portraying like hard, hard things and, and people mm-hmm. see kind of the reality of it. And, and it is hard stuff, but at the same time, I'm, I'm portraying it in a way that's light. And I hope that that, but you know, like we're going to do something wrong <laughs> as parents. And I don't <laughs> think that this is it for me, but, um, but I do, but I do think that, that, um, you know, I, I do think of like recently I've been thinking about how she might feel later, but really there's no way to tell. And who knows how, you know, who knows? No, I don't know. I just can't think about stuff like that while I'm working. I have to really just focus on, on, uh, making work and then 100% see where it goes. But um, yeah, and I don't know what other parents do. Like if people keep work private from their children or what, but I just Mm. feel like painting Mm -hmm. is such an honest medium. And that's kind of what I love about it. You have this quote from your website, Madeline, that I love so much in describing these drawings and paintings about motherhood. And I feel like it does such a great job of, you know, putting this into context for our listeners. And it's that your paintings explore the overwhelming absurdity and intimacy of caring for another person. She focuses on the surreal reality and physicality of the mother and child relationship In each work, the mother attempts to perform basic aspects of a day as the child clings to hair and body parts, nonchalant, comfortably playing on her body. And 
That's exactly what comes across when our listeners see these images. They'll be up on AtomicMoms.com, and obviously we'll be sharing all of your links as well. And I'm excited to announce that for the first time ever in almost five years of Atomic Moms, we are uh, collaborating and like we're actually making something outside of the podcast. Madeline has been so generous in letting me license some of these drawings, and we're going to share them in t-shirt form. So we're working on that. Sign up for our newsletter so you can be the first to hear about it. My goal is for them to be available as gifts for your best mom friends for Mother's Day. Because one of the drawings we're sharing for Atomic Moms is the Cyclops drawing. And what does it make you feel when you see it? It's related to, I think, just the overwhelming feeling you have. I, I mean, I'm not speaking for everybody, but just an overwhelming feeling of like total love for another person, like consuming love for another person. And also just the feeling of like holding your child and knowing that while you're holding them, everything is okay. And just kind of that, that feeling of like encapsulation um, is kind of what I was thinking when I drew that. Well, I think it's interesting also how the child is holding the mother's head. Like it's, it's almost like the child, the child is so wrapped around her. It almost looks like the child's holding the mother to me. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of been my experience is Twyla likes to, she likes to hold my hair and she likes to be held most of the time. Like most mornings, she just wants to be held before I leave. So I'll end up cooking and, you know, trying to get dressed while she's kind of attached to me and then trying to figure out how to separate from that while also reaping it because eventually Mm -hmm. it's not going to, you know, eventually Uh, she's not going to feel the same way. So it's just like, okay, you need to be able to be by yourself for a little bit, but also like, okay, I'll hold you while I try to put my pants on. Sure. Um, But (laughs) a lot of that is just like, literally she'll hold on to my hair and kind of play with my hair. And, Mm. um, but it's also just like, I mean, children cling to you. And I think that's such an interesting thing, like just to think about like clinging to another person and in any other relationship, it would be really scary like if I were painting my partner in that way or any other kind of like sexual relationship in that way, it would be really kind of uh, alarming. <laughs> but as a parent, it's this, it's kind of the only time we're allowed to just completely embrace intimacy and boundaries in a completely different way. And in, in young children, and you know, right. obviously it's not the same if you have like a you 30 hope year not. old child who needs to- <laughs> I don't know, yeah. quite a few of us are still enmeshed. <laughs> Or like trying to detangle ourselves. And that's what the podcast is for. We met in high school. We were freshmen at the high school for performing and visual arts. It's obvious to me that you're the same artist. Like you've grown and obviously we all change and develop as human beings. But if I saw something that you did in high school and saw something now, I'd be like, yes, this is the same soul who's created these things. (laughs) And I think it's so interesting that like the image that comes to mind for me is you had a huge painting of, I want to say it was your pregnant mom eating a watermelon? Yes. And you know what's fun- so funny? That was painted from a photograph. And it, she's actually pregnant with my brother. Um, and that was just kind of a seminal family photograph that I was obsessed with. Yeah, I don't know why I was so obsessed with family, like always. But um, that was, so that photo was taken on July 8th, 1980, which was a month before my brother was born. And that's Twyla's birthday, <gasps> which is like, I'm not really somebody who uh, like reads and designs, but that's just so funny to me that I spent so much time 
focusing on that, on that photo to paint it. And then (laughs) that that would be the day that my daughter is born, you know, like several decades later. Madeline, that is the, I didn't know that. And now I, (laughs) I have like chills all over my body. It's like, that's insane. Um, And that is such a fun, that was such a fun painting to see. Like I loved how um, it took up space. And as a, you know, a goody two shoes girl back then in like my polo shirts, like to see a female artist take up space on a canvas like that and to be showing motherhood and like a big belly like that as like coming from like a conservative family (laughs) like there was something even back then that I feel like you were playing with sort of the cheekiness that you had and playing with sort of the taboos of like how women should be portrayed or how we should show ourselves can you can you make sense of what I'm saying (laughs) yeah that's really that's a really interesting way to read it so my family is very open with body. Well, I have an aunt who was a nude model for an artist in Houston for a long time. And also I grew up in this family of really beautiful women. Like all of my, my mom and her sisters could all have been models. And rather than that being intimidating, my mom was always very supportive of, I mean, cause I look completely different than, <laughs> than they do. I'm you could also a be a model. Looking person. <laughs> but my mom was always, very uh, like pro I can't think of like bot she was bought she was what's the word for like body, con- body she always health, seemed whatever. very comfortable in her own skin and yeah body positive yeah yeah body positive and she was you know I would sometimes compare myself to her because she was really skinny and tall and she always just put so much into me you know loving who I was and loving my body and not really caring what other people thought and also just not thinking about what other people thought. And I mean, I think it worked. Like I have a pretty healthy self-esteem and it was, it's been really interesting having a baby because I think I totally expected that my body would completely fall apart after childbirth and that I would just have to spend all of this energy recovering. And I just could not believe how amazing my body is and how, you know, I made this human and I also like looked fine afterwards. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just amazing how resilient the female body is. And that kind of is how I started making the work I'm making now is I just started making work about uh, the postpartum body and really exaggerating like the pendulous breast and the saggy skin and cellulite and stretch marks. And I mean, I think it's something everybody can relate to, even if you haven't had a baby. Aging is supposed to be the worst thing that can happen to a woman. And I've just found that I feel better and better the older I get. I don't know. I'm just not afraid of getting old. And my my grandmother is 97. She looks like a 97-year-old woman, but she's also really beautiful. She still gets hit on by people. (laughs) Like, I, I really feel like there's so much pressure for women to be perfect and for some reason that just doesn't like, I definitely have standards for myself, but it doesn't, I don't really feel like I, I need to be perfect. And the work I think is intended to reflect that. And so also as I've painted motherhood, I've included these physical features that we are all afraid of that are supposed to be like the end of the world for 
mm-hmm. you know, female beauty. And rather than ignoring them in my images, I really kind of like exaggerate them and use them to make the images more welcoming and um, like funny, I guess. Like I poke fun at it rather than taking it seriously. Well, and to add on to that idea of you exaggerating it and making it funnier, you have one drawing, it's the boob signal. Can you describe that to our listeners uh, and explain? (laughs) I want you to explain the origin story. I went on a residency last year at Birdcliff in Woodstock, and I was gone for a month. I left Twyla with her dad, um, my husband, and he took all of his vacation time so that I could go away for a month and do this residency. And as I left, so rather than weaning her, I just left for the residency because I talked to a bunch of people and everybody kind of just recommended like taking a trip or doing something to be away for a while or just, you know, a week or a few days. Um, I was gone for a month. And as I got to this residency, I was trying to, you know, like be a, an adult in the world again. And my boobs were throbbing like the bat call, like the bat signal for Batman, like calling Batman to come help save the day. And it was just so funny to me that like, I couldn't even just like go out in the world and pretend to be a regular adult. Like my body was trying to get me to find my child and like feed her. Um, Feeder. I used to get so much anxiety, like when with the letdown, because it was almost like my body saying, "Oh my God, your babe's lost in the woods! Like, go find her! Like, you must feed her!" Like that. I would get this spike of anxiety. With this month-long residency, how often did they visit? So they visited once towards the end. I ended up coming down twice. Once the first week. At the end of the first week, I I called and it was clear that you know maybe it be nice if I came down. So I came down for a night. <laughs> Wait, how did, how, how was that uh, presented to you? <laughs> it was kind of like a blood curdling scream in the end of the phone. <laughs> like I need my mom kind of scream. So I, I came down and um, uh, in all honesty, I had an opening to go to. So it was like two birds. <laughs> so I came back down, <laughs> I came back down to the city for a night. And then after that, I had another two weeks. The next two weeks were fine. She was fine without me. She went to Maine with um, Ian and her grandmother for a while. She was having a really good time. And then at the end of two weeks, you know, it was clear that it would be nice if I came home. So I came home after that. So it really wasn't, I mean, she was fine the whole time. She had a great time. And, you know, I think it was so important for Ian to have alone time with her. I think when you're the mom, and especially if you're kind of in charge of domestic stuff the way I am that, you know, I can, I can definitely kind of railroad situations and it felt good to not have to, you know, it felt good to, to just be the one who's not in charge. And also like, I'm totally, totally comfortable with the way that Ian parents, we try not to interfere with the other person when they're in charge, mm-hmm. or I guess, you know, like I try not to tell him what to do and he doesn't tell me what to do. And I think that's kind of a good way to make sure that nobody's, you know, feeling resentful because they haven't been able to like be who they need to be with, with um, their kid. I don't know. I don't know what you thought about like having divorced parents, but I spent a lot of alone time with both my parents, Mm -hmm. like individually. And I felt like that was a really great parenting lesson because I ended up learning who my parents were as individuals, not just as like a unit. Ooh, I love that, Madeline. Yeah. I think about that a lot. Like, 
Like, I don't need to be there all the time. I don't need to be the boss all the time. And Twyla's going to learn a lot more, you know, if we take turns than if one of us is trying to be in charge all the time. So, yeah, it was a really great month. And I got a lot of work done. And, you know, it was so nice for me to have a month to myself Mm -hmm. um, to make work and to just, like, take a deep breath and, like, take a break from being a parent. It was really nice. You know, we with Ian uh, being your partner, it's so crazy to me that you married your high school sweetheart. You know, what's <laughs> what's it like raising a kid with someone you knew as a kid? Like, do you guys, do you ever think about how Ian has changed as an adult? Like, did you always think he'd grow up to be a lawyer? Like, what's, <laughs> tell me everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I think anybody who knows him expected him to be exactly who he is. Um, yeah, he was. I remember the first time I met him, and he's he's always been incredibly responsible and like mm-hmm. kind of cautious. <laughs> yeah, he's an amazing partner. It's just it's it was crazy to me bringing Twyla home from the hospital and like looking at this person that I've known you know for most of my life and. Just being like, I just can't believe, I just feel so lucky. I can't believe that, like, we made this work and, um, you know, it hasn't been easy, but we made it work and we we totally trust each other and respect each other. And in one way, there are, like, no, like, he's, he's an incredibly, like, kind and thoughtful and responsible person, so I don't have any fear with him as a partner. Um, and at the same time, it's like, I keep discovering things about him, which is kind of surprising. I think I've known him for like 25 years and it's, it's really incredible. I, yeah, I just feel so lucky. And we also like, we're just so comfortable with each other. You know, we don't have like nothing is, I think I'm more comfortable with him than anybody else. And, and, you know, we can say anything and, I don't know. There's just no, it's, it's really liberating in a way because I don't know. We just have known each other for so long and I did know him as a kid. So it's really great to kind of see who Twyla is and I see him in her and I don't know. How old were you guys when you met? I met him on my 12th birthday, (laughs) which he hates. He hates when I say that, but it's true. And then um, we obviously didn't start dating at my 12th birthday. Yeah, and we had friends in common, so, and also you and Ian and I have all had friends in common, so it's been kind of like having a huge family that is not your blood family that you just kind of go through life with. Pretty amazing. It is amazing, and, you know, like, you've always had such loyal friendships, and I'm curious about how how you've maintained friendships now that you are a mother alongside being an artist who needs a lot of autonomy. Right. Yeah. That's also a really good question. Yeah. I, I've always been, I just kind of have always wanted to know everybody and do everything all the time. And I've actually, I actually have thought about you a lot, like as I've become a parent, um, because I've had to kind of teach myself how to like say no to things or actually like being a parent has taught me how to be better at kind of saying no. And you were always so good at 
like you, you always did what you wanted to do. You never felt, or it didn't ever seem like you were um, afraid of missing out on a party or, you know, you, you love to like be at home and read sometimes. And um, I really admired that because I just would say yes to everything. And then sometimes like it was a little crazy. Um, yeah. So I think I definitely kind of toned down my enthusiasm for, <laughs> for socializing. <laughs> <laughs> but um but I and yeah and it is hard you know and sometimes like friendships with people who don't have kids like sometimes struggle I'm, at the same time like you know I've made really great friends since Twyla's been born who don't have kids and it's not a big deal I don't know it, it is like it's it's definitely a challenge um it's so much easier for me to say no to things mm. And also, like, to know what I want, want to do and what I don't want to do. Whereas I think before, I just wanted to do everything. And then maybe after the fact, I'd be like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have just stayed home. <laughs> but, yeah, and I definitely focus more on my career. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough. It's, it's definitely tough. You know, I, I was reading in that your interview in the elephant about how you keep track of your artwork supplies and you know how much more on top of it you are as a mother now because we don't have the time to like rev our engines you know I, I'll get frustrated with Adam because right. Adam will be like for his writing process and he's someone who is you know shockingly fast as a writer but I'll still get annoyed about like his whole like warm-up routine which involves a lot of different websites you know he's got like (laughs) you know he's got to get into it and I right and I'm like as a mother I'm like what are you talking about like you you turn on your computer and you go and that's not necessarily a you know that's not great, but it just at this stage of having young children, you you know you have so little time. And so it was cool for me to read that about you as well, about like how you streamline, you know, you know what you need. You don't show up and then realize that you you forgot something. And it made me think of this article in The Atlantic called How Motherhood Affects Creativity. And so I want to read for our listeners this little part about mother rats. And the quote is, prior to becoming a mother, she might have chased a cricket for food. Hither and thither, a haphazard pattern, attracting predators, according to one study. Even after catching the cricket, it might have clumsily slipped from her grasp. But as a lactating mom, her method is, quote, quote, more direct and lethal. She captures the cricket in 70 seconds, four times faster than non-mom rats, and does not let it go. She does not have time to waste. Her brain's motor and sensory systems have sharpened. That's really funny. And uh, as a lactating rat, oh, I think you could do a whole series on lactating rats. Um, so, what have you cut out of your life, you know, in order to make space for your art and your family? What are you saying no to these days? Um, so, let's see. So, I don't know so much what I've cut out. Um, but what I can I can tell you what I have kind of organized in. Yes, um, that's a more I positive way. <laughs> <laughs> I just like don't have the memory for that. Um, but uh, but I definitely find time for exercise. I try to exercise almost every day. Um, I try to exercise with my daughter and my dog, so that I'm not cutting into anything else, which is a little mm-hmm. crazy. But I have a sweet jogging stroller, a Thule. Um, I try to exercise every day. Um, I bring food to my studio, really boring, like almond butter 
sandwiches and nuts and fruit and things that I can just kind of leave there that won't go bad. I always have a bottle of water in the car and at my studio. Um, I never did that before. I hate to say it, but I used to just buy, you know, like a bottle of sparkling water whenever I wanted it. And I just can't believe I used to do that. I just don't do that anymore. So what's your water bottle? I have this Nalgene that has the smaller opening. Okay. I hate the like the big Nalgene wide. with a huge. Yeah. yeah <laughs> just that was my college. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and it's, a, I think it's like 32 ounces. It's pretty big. Oh, nice. So I don't run out. Um, LO is my brand for water bottles. <laughs> LO, E-L-L-O. That's my favorite brand. I'll for have water to bottles. check that out. Yeah. Is it metal? No. One of the metal ones? It's, it's glass, glass or with, plastic? it's glass yeah. with plastic around it or like rubber. So you don't yeah. break it. Oh, yes. Yes. I think I have a, one of those also, um, like a small one. That's pretty great. Yeah. And I, I wear like, so one of the downsides of having a studio practice and being a mom is you kind of like, I used to love clothes and I used to wear dresses all the time. And um, I think especially being a nursing mom, I really had to kind of tone down my wardrobe and just find stuff that was easy to pump or nurse with. And um, I ended up wearing like a uniform to the studio and kind of a similar uniform around the house which is like not as exciting as I'd like it to be, but it keeps everything easy. I'm not wasting time looking for something specific that I want or, you know, trying to figure out what I want to wear. And I think I got that from Obama. I'm pretty sure Obama like wore a uniform. Like he has two suits that he wears and that's it. Makes sense. And I think I heard that. Yeah. So that'll work. Steve Jobs, did you see the HBO documentary, The Inventor about Elizabeth Holmes and the whole Theranos? craziness. Is it like the blood, the blood thing? Yes, exactly. And she always wore a turtleneck. So she, so she she went to St. John. No, she didn't. Oh, I saw that she was (laughs) from Houston. (gasps) She went to St. John's. Whoa. For Mm -hmm. those of you not from Houston, that is a a private school in Houston. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like her. (laughs) So what's your wardrobe? So I wear, I have like a pretty simple black. I love like Zella leggings. I have black belt leggings that I kind of wear all the time around the house. And then I can also wear them to the studio. It doesn't matter if I get paint on them. I try, I, I'm pretty careful about not getting paint on myself in the studio because, you know, it's not healthy to have on your body, mm-hmm. um, especially when I was nursing. And I also, when I get home, I just kind of like immediately take a shower just in case yeah. I have any paint on me. But yeah, I just wear like leggings and some favorite sweatshirt that makes me feel like a person. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. And then like, if I go to, if I go out or go to openings, I'll have like some stuff that I love to wear. I love slip dresses. Slip dresses are amazing as a mom because they, you know, are long enough that if your kid, if you're holding your kid, doesn't pull up your skirt and you can get away, you know, they look nice, but they're also pretty utilitarian. So I have a few slip dresses I wear that I love. And then the other thing is slip on shoes. I didn't understand how amazing slip-on shoes were. Oh, I can't remember. Um, are they CVs? You know what CVs yeah. are? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's like S-E-E-Z. I can't remember how to spell Awesome. Them. Well, yeah. I'm and just then, taking um, notes so I can look like an artist now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there actually, um, there was an, an article in the cut about what artists wear. And oh. there, there's a boot called Blundstone. Okay. Have you ever heard of those? They're no. like Australian boots. Everybody in New York wears them. They're not like the best looking boot, but they're amazing. You, they, you can waterproof them and they literally just slip on. 
They're like little Chelsea boots. I'm and go everybody find that really does wear those. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. What's, it to you. what's the art scene like for women these days in New York? So it's a pretty, I feel like it's a pretty amazing time to be working and painting in New York. It seems like there's an effort to include women and non-white men in shows. And hopefully it's not just a trend. Hopefully it's something that'll last, which I also, you know, is really great for the rest of the country. Cause I mean, even Houston who has like Houston has a really great art scene, but I can still kind of feel how there's just like machismo or something about it. I never really feel like I'm taken seriously in Houston and it's just a completely different art scene anyway, but it's a great time to be a, a woman artist in New York. And I don't know, also I, I take Twyla to openings and I mean, the older she gets, it's not as much, it's not as easy because she, yeah. you know, it just depends on what, what her mood is, but she's a pretty easy kid. So she's been to openings with me since she was born and we'll walk around Chelsea or walk around Bushwick and go to shows after openings, like when the galleries are more quiet and galleries are really amazing with kids and with dogs, everybody's welcome. So it's a nice thing to, if I have a bunch of shows I want to see in the Lower East Side or something, I'll take her with me and we'll just walk around. I have a friend who just had a baby in Manhattan a couple months ago and we spent a day like walking around going to different shows and it's just, it's just really nice. It's a nice way to just spend an afternoon in New York. Mm. Yeah. And and I mean, I feel like people are pretty welcoming to mothers in the art scene. I know there's still a lot of like fear, like some people still feel like afraid to have children and afraid of what it'll do for their career. But I just think that the energy you get having a child is amazing. It's like a little boost. And I don't know, I definitely, it's a personal decision, but I wouldn't have done, you know, I wouldn't have put it off for anything, I don't think. So I asked you to send me a mom bomb, which is, you know, an inspirational quote that we could share with our listeners. And you sent me the poem Wild Geese. It's by Mary Oliver, who won the Pulitzer and the National Book Award for her poetry. And this particular poem first appeared in her 1986 anthology, Dream Work. She died in January at the age of 83. I saw her posts all over Instagram. And I want to share this with our listeners. It's so gorgeous. So here is Mary Oliver reading her poem, Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination. Calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. So Madeline, what made you choose that poem to share? I think the thing about that that really resonates for me is kind of tied to what I was talking about earlier about 
like being forgiving of your body. I, I just feel like it's so hard to be, it's so hard for a lot of people to feel comfortable being who they are. And it's so easy to try to figure out how we can kind of fit in with each other or, or kind of a motivation. It's like, how do I, how am I more like somebody else or how can I fit in with other people? And I feel like that poem kind of just says, so just kind of encapsulates the idea of like just being who you are and like not being perfect and allowing room for your body to just be who it needs to be, which I really love. And yeah, it just really was a beautiful sentiment to me. There was one other thing that I was going to send you that I couldn't find, but it's some Amy Schumer joke <laughs> about how <laughs> about how um, her mom always told her that she was the most beautiful girl in the whole world. And the joke is like, she's Amy Schumer, which I love Amy Schumer, so she could be whoever she needs to be. But I just love that idea of like telling our children that that they are the, I mean, I don't, you know, it's like, you don't want to tell your kid that they're the absolute perfect thing ever in the world because everybody's kind of realized that that's not healthy. But the idea that to you, your kid is the perfect thing in the entire world, which is so true. And the fact that she believed it because her mom said it is just, it's a funny joke, but it's also, I think the way every, every child should feel in a relationship with their parents, I guess. But I think both are kind of, this idea of like self-forgiveness and acceptance. When I've looked on your social media, like I will see that you guys travel. I ran into you last at a wedding for our girlfriend, Amanda in Austin. And you had Twyla with you then. You guys obviously travel a lot. I know that you solo travel a lot with Twyla, mm -hmm. which, you know, I bow down to you. I very, very <laughs> rarely will attempt that myself. What are your favorite national parks to go to with her? How many have you been to? I think we. I think she's been to about twelve national parks. Um, she started. I mean, I didn't know we had twelve national parks, Madeline. I think. I think there are fifty something, fifty-two something. Okay. There'll be 12 by the time we're done with this administration. Oh, no. Just just kidding, mom. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's like so depressing. We have this little national park passport that was Ian that his parents started and then, you know, didn't ever use. So I have it. I always take it with us when I know we're going to go to some place. But yeah, she started walking in Shenandoah National Park, which is, is this beautiful place in Virginia. It's this long, I think it's a hundred mile drive in the mountains. And then you can camp or they have these little cabins that are amazing that were built by the WPA project during the depression or like during that whole post-depression rebuild of the country. Um, they're just amazing. And they have a little restaurant where they'll have bluegrass bands play. It's so amazing. Yeah. And I, I love the national parks because they're these amazing places that are so accessible to everybody. And we'll, so we'll like meet my dad someplace or we'll go whenever we go to a wedding. We'll try to find the closest national park. We went to Joshua Tree when we were in Palm Springs. And yeah, my favorite is Big Bend because it's in Texas and it's gorgeous. And I went there every summer as a kid. And it's just so much land. It's insane how large it is and how beautiful it is. And nobody's ever there. So you kind of feel like you have all this land to yourself. And all the like snakes and tarantulas and road runners and bears. There were bears the last time we were there. It was really amazing. I don't know if you're really doing a good job selling this, Madeline. You just <laughs> said the word tarantula. <laughs> I love 
love all that stuff because growing up in Houston, we didn't have any, you know, Houston is just such a big city and you go out to West Texas and it's what everybody expected. Anytime anybody found out I was from Texas, they assumed I rode a horse, which you did. So you can say <laughs> yes to that. Um, and I love going out to West Texas because it's like this very kind of cliched Texas experience. That's just so amazing. I love it. I love that you find, you know, you're this artist in Brooklyn with a child who is often on your hip, and yet you find a way to make space for yourself, whether it's in your studio or in nature. It's It's been really fun to watch you, uh, you know, across the country in my little bubble <laughs> in La La Land. No, likewise. Thank you so much, Madeline, for sharing all of this. Uh, everybody, <laughs> check out Madeline's artwork. What's your website, Madeline? MadelineDonahue.com. And what's your Instagram? Uh, it's at Madeline Donahue. And I will be giving updates through our newsletter at AtomicMoms.com for the latest on when everyone can buy some of this uh, amazingness to support the podcast. So until next week, everybody, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. 